Well, praise the Lord. Let's just pick up some reviews. Um, we, um, in our last session last week, we were in chapters eight and nine, and we talked about that, uh, that, that Jesus opens the seven seals, that the elders are um, offering prayers with the saints, and that the that uh, seven uh, angels were given trumpets, and four of those angels sounded releasing judgments, similar to uh, the plagues of Moses, but uh, of a much wider impact and greater intensity. The judgments include hail with fire and blood, a meteor or a star falling to the ocean, turning it to blood, one falling up on rivers, lakes, and streams, springs, making them bitter in darkness upon the sun, moon, and stars, and that um, each of these judgments wasn't total, so the whole world wasn't affected, but a third of uh, people and resources were hit. Um, and then an angel at the end of that chapter declared that the worst was yet to come. We went on to chapter 9. We, heard, we saw the sounding of the fifth angel, released the plague of enhanced locusts. We saw that that the 144,000 evangelists um, were exempted from this plague and that there was a uh, leader over these locusts that had been loosed, um, an angelic um, demonic spirit um, called Apollyon, which means destroyer and destruction. Um, destruction. And that uh, then the scripture tells us that six angels sounds and four fallen angels who had been bound were released to prepare the army of Armageddon for Revelation chapter 16. And that these angels are given a specific time frame to bring judgment upon the earth and that this army is uh, believed to represent military power having authority over a third of humanity interestingly enough though with all the things that went wrong just like it was in the days of pharaoh and during moses reign um, the people did not repent it said in moses day that they hardened their hearts and so uh, we can look at that heart condition and go back again to the future to see the heart condition of those days. Then we spent some time um, actually looking at um, all of the things that they didn't repent from and whatever they didn't repent from that got them in trouble with God. We should repent from to make sure in our time frame we are prepared to go with him when he comes. And so we talked about the fact and spent some time in, in Romans chapter one verses 17 through 32, um, just because it was a great passage of scripture to tie into those things that we need to judge ourselves, as it says in the communion um, scriptures in 1 Corinthians 11, um, so that we won't be judged with the world. And so I'm getting my judgments now. God's calling me out now. I'm letting him tell me now stuff he don't like. And then when he tells me he doesn't like it, then I'm doing something about it right now. I'm getting while the getting is good. Somebody say amen. All right. So let's 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 uh, see if we can get through three chapters today. Let's start with Revelation chapter 10. And I got five keys for it. So we're going to try to move a little swifter and get through uh, more content. All right. Revelation chapter 10. Verses 1 through 11 says, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head, and his face was like a sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right hand on the sea, and his left, his right foot on the sea, and his left foot on the land, and cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. 
Now, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that they should be that there should be delayed no longer, but in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, go take the little book, which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, give me the little book. And he said to me, take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I ate it, it my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you shall prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. All right, so that was chapter 10. Let's look at... Um, five keys from Revelation chapter 10. Smaller chapter, a uh, fewer number of keys. Number one, when a mighty angel descends with a little book in, in hand and cries, seven thunders uttered voices. Two, what they say is not known in our dispensation. He said, seal these things. We're not going to even talk about them. So, you know, remember that, that um, sometimes people who have access um, in Hebrews, it says they partake of the power of the ages to come. So there's things that are known that we won't know. The Apostle Paul talks about when he went to heaven, he said, I heard things that it is not lawful for men to utter. That means it's, it's above your pay grade. But he got inside information. Praise God for the man who is the person that goes ahead of time. Um, number three, at the time shown here, the tribulation period will be coming to an end. That's what it says, that this, this delay, that they're getting ready. Like, there's already six trumpets that have sounded. He's like, hey, we're coming. You're about to see some pieces that show you about the culmination of this period of time called the tribulation. Number four, John is given a little book to eat. He's given a little book to eat. And then five, the book itself contains insight to the future ministry by John to the nations. And of course, um, that symbolism of eating a book with words, um, you know, that's, uh, have you ever heard the term somebody devoured a book? They devoured a book. That's the kind of terminology that's being used here. The scripture says that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So certainly the symbolism uh, that is being described here is very um, consistent with scripture and is consistent with um, God giving someone to eat a book to represent their ministry. Let's look at it in Ezekiel chapter two. We're going to read verses eight down through chapter three, verse three, Ezekiel chapter two, verse eight. And it says, but you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Now, when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. 
that he spread it before me and there was writing on the inside and on the outside and writing on it were lamentations and mourning and woe. Moreover, he said to me, son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat the scroll. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with the scroll that I give you. So I ate and it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. So, so, so it is a, um, that's, that's a picture of your ministry assignment. Like God will give you a ministry assignment to a people and then you got to get the revelation and you need to digest that. And that needs to be, you need to ingest it and it needs to become a part of you so that you can minister from the overflow of your life. Amen. And so now it is somewhat of a mystery because John has already done a level of ministry, but this scripture was prophesying that there's another level of ministry. And of course, I don't want to, wherever the Lord word talks, I'm going to talk where it stops, I stop. All right. But it's clear that the scripture is here implying that John has more ministry in front of him than, than what was behind him. Okay. All right. Now let's go on to chapter 11. Wow. See, just a few minutes. We got all the way through the first chapter. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Revelation chapter 11. Let's do that one. It says, then I was given a reed like a measuring rod and the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God, the altar and those who worship there, but leave out the court, which is outside the temple and do not measure it for it has been given to the Gentiles. And they will tread the holy city, the holy city, underfoot for 42 months. We've seen that three years and six months period over and over again, haven't we? Okay, here it comes again now. We showed it. We showed it um, that Elijah caused all kind of plagues and things to happen for, by the space of three years and six months, 42 months, or 1,260 days if each day, if, if each month, is 30 days. All right. So let's go back to that. Now, verse three says, and I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy. Here's that number, 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. Now, in Revelation one, we talked about Zechariah chapter four, where it says Zechariah saw the vision and he saw these two lampstands and olive trees pouring oil. Right. We saw that. And, and when we saw that, we told you from Zechariah four that was dealing with national Israel. So now we know something about these two witnesses. They have something to do with national Israel. So the holy city is Jerusalem. OK. National Israel, God's dealt with the church, so he's not talking about the church because these two, two witnesses being described like in Zechariah has nothing to do with the church. We've, we're already taking care of the, ourselves out of this in Jesus' name. I plan on having myself taken care of. Verse 5, you too, right? Verse 5, and if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. You know, they tried to come and, and take out Elijah and he called down fire from heaven. OK, that, that's happened before. Fire has fallen from heaven before. Right. Um, these have power to shut up heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecies for three years and six months, just like Elijah. And they have power over waters to turn them into blood. And to strike the earth with all plagues as often as desired, just like Moses and Aaron 
did that in Egypt, didn't they? When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them and overcome them and kill them. And their body, their dead bodies will lie in the street of that great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So that goes back to Jerusalem again. All right. So we clear where these people are. We're very clear, right? Interestingly enough, if it's called Sodom, then it's not spiritually this great light, is it? Because Sodom was not a, a place of great light. Sodom was a place of great darkness. That means it's given to all kinds of deviant sexual behavior like homosexuality, doesn't it? Then it's called Egypt. Remember, when Moses was in Egypt, they were worshiping, you know, the sun was a god, the Nile River was a god. And so each one of the gods that they worshiped, a plague came on that God until they dealt with the fact that Pharaoh was called God on earth and God kills his firstborn son who was to inherit his throne. And if that wasn't enough, Pharaoh and his army drowned in the Red Sea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so what verse am I on? Verse nine. Then those from the people's tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now, after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a voice from heaven saying, saying to them, come up here. And they ascended to the heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the, of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming. Then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdom's of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, we give thanks, we give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come in the time of the dead, that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Verse 19, then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple, and there were lightnings, noises, thunders, and earthquake, and great hail. All right, so some, a lot of judgments there, a lot of pictures, both of earth and heaven. Let's, 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 keep, let's give us our eight points from Revelation chapter 11. We're making good time here. So number one says, similar to Ezekiel in the Old Testament, John is assigned to measure the temple of God that it is, that is in Jerusalem during this tribulation time. And of course, if any of you guys remember some of our early ministry, you know, we had, uh, there's a period of time in the, in the early phase of our ministry, we spent a lot of time um, in the book of Ezekiel talking about show the house to the house that the law of the house is holy, and you're supposed to measure it. Measuring it is not just a measurement of the physical 
um, dimensions, but it is a measurement of um, the commitment to truth. All right. It's a measurement. Does the temple really do what the temple is supposed to do? But of course, in this time, as we studied our week in the, uh, um, as we studied in 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 the, um, the 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 session where we talked about the tribulation period and how the antichrist would seek to be worshipped as God, he's going to try to take something that's dedicated to God and then turn it into something that's dedicated to himself. Got it. All right. So this um, this measurement of the temple was something that we can see in Scripture. Ezekiel chapter 40. Um, just write this one down. We won't go there. But Ezekiel 42 through five. But if you look through Ezekiel, starting at verse 40, all the way to the end, you'll see that there's a lot of measurements. Some of us have studied the scripture where he measured the water and went out to ankle deep and knee deep and waist deep, all from the water that poured out of the temple. So there's a lot of measurement. And so measurement says that we're assessing something against a heavenly standard. All right. And we know that what is being assessed is the worship in God's temple against God's God's intentions for that. And of course, that um, that is what's being challenged. Number two on our uh, list of eight says the outer court of the temple was not measured because of the Gentiles who would defile it. The defilement would happen during the second half of the tribulation period, which is three and a half years or 42 months or 1260 days. And as we said earlier, that that period has a repetition in scripture because Elijah prayed and it did not rain on the earth for the space of three years and six months, right during the time when Baal worship was happening amongst the children of Israel. All right. So there was always a war. And what was Elijah saying? What did he come to Mount Carmel saying? Choose if you're going to serve God or if you're going to serve Baal. Right. And there was all these temples of Baal. There was Jezebel and all of those peoples and Ahab. And they had all of these people. And then they were doing all of these things and they were trying to call down signs. And he called down fire from heaven. And it didn't rain until he said so. Right. So all of these things, those are things that we look and go back and go to the future. Now, look at number three. During this time, God would raise up two witnesses who, like Moses and Aaron, withstood Pharaoh and like Elijah withstood Ahab, will withstand the Antichrist. So even when devil is given his best shot, he still got opposition. Anointed opposition that he's trying to take out. But he can't. All right. Until their time of ministry is done. Um, number four, they are referred to as the two olive trees and lampstands from Zechariah four, signifying their ministry is focused on national Israel. Right. Remember, when we were in Revelation chapter one, we talked about the difference between the symbolism of Israel as one menorah, one lampstand with two olive trees, and that that was different from the, the church age where it was seven independent um, golden lampstands, which says that each church is independent, but now it's talking about national Israel, and they're in the holy city, and they're at the temple, 
right? So all of these things are pointing us to a specific type of ministry in a specific time frame. Got it? All right, let's look at number five. Number five says, at the end of their ministry, the Antichrist kills them, and they lie dead in Jerusalem for three and a half days, which causes the world, which causes worldwide rejoicing. Um, I, I had a, a young man um, who was talking to me about the use of technology and and um, and he was telling me, well, man, I don't know if you should be if you should be, um, you know, trying to put your gospel messages on YouTube and Facebook and all of that. I just think it's all a sign of the beast and the mark of the beast. I said, OK, hold up, hold up, bro. Hold up, hold up. Scripture says in Colossians, all things were created by him, Jesus, and for him. And through him, all things consist. I said, from, from people carrying the word on foot on Roman roads to um, people writing the word down on scrolls to the printing press to the steam engine to the automobile to the jet plane, planes, trains, and automobiles to television and radio waves, and to the internet. We have always used technology to preach the gospel. Always going back to Jesus asking Peter to get in my boat so that I can stand out on the water and preach to the people. That was technology that helped him preach the gospel. I'm preaching really good today. And since my friend was, a, you know, an end times buff, I said, listen, the only way that this scripture would be true is if worldwide technology was focused on one place and everybody around the world was watching this for three and a half days. So they saw God raise those two witnesses from the dead and carry them up into heaven. And the whole world gets to see them as the cameras turn and watch them go up into heaven. So before you... Throw a rock at me because I'm using technology to preach the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. Read your Bible. Okay. Now, as we said, they will be given to homosexuality in this time and occultic power, which tells you that even though Israel is God's nation, somehow they're going to fall off the wagon from where God intends them to. All right. Now let's look at number six. At the end of the three and a half days, God raises them from the dead and catches them away into heaven. At that time, an earthquake hits the city, killing 7,000 and causing the rest to glorify God. Well, pastor, I don't believe that, that they are caught away and the world sees it. Well, do you believe that Elijah was caught away and, and Elisha saw it? Well, do you believe that Jesus was caught away and the apostles saw it? I'm just saying some people say, I don't know if this is pattern, if this pattern is in scripture. All I took you was, I just took you back to the future. Elijah, they're ministering in the power of Elijah, and then they get caught away like Elijah did. All right. Number seven, the seventh angel sounds his trumpet, signifying the time when the kingdoms of the world become the kingdoms of God. Number eight, this triggers worship in heaven by the 24 
elders and causes people to see the temple of God in heaven. Now, some people say, well, you know, there is no, you know, um, you want your prayer shawl, pastor, not mad at you. You, you want to go to Israel and see the Ark of the Covenant or see those kinds of things there. You know, those things are signs. Those things are types and shadows. Not bad. Symbols aren't bad. A shadow means that there is something casting a light on something that is real. I have a shadow here, but that means that this light is reflecting off a real me. Moses temple, um, tabernacle, David's temple, Solomon's temple were, were the shadow, the real one they saw in heaven. It has an Ark of the Covenant. It's an Ark of a New Covenant. You know, theirs had Moses' commandments in it. This one has the blood of Jesus in it. Right? It has, it's a real mercy seat. Okay? But it's new covenant, not old. All right? All of those were shadows. We're just showing you that, that, that the, real, the real thing is there in heaven. Somebody say amen. All right. Man, y'all are a really good class. Man, I should have went to chapter 13 if I thought I was going to move this fast. Praise the Lord. All right. But I'm not prepared for 13 today. You're going to have to wait. But I'll give you three, time, three chapters next time, too. All right. Now, let's look at uh, chapter 12. Chapter 12. Remember when we started in, in Revelation chapter 1, we said God told John to write things that were those things that are and those things that are to come. So he told him to write about things past, present, and future. And so in this chapter, John weaves things from the past into what for him was present and things for us that are in the future. And he puts them all together in this chapter. All right, let's look at it. Now I see, now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. That symbolism is important. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, seven diadems or crowns on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born, and she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Very significant. Caught up to God and caught up to God's throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that she, she should, that they should feed her there. Okay, watch this number again, 1,260 days. That's that three and a half year time frame, isn't it? And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought that two thirds against the one third, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So that great dragon was cast out, the serpent, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength 
and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they do not love their lives to the death. And we have to use all of those things to overcome as well. That's why pastor talks about how your testimony is a part of your deliverance. Sometimes the devil tries to get you not to tell your testimony because he tries to shame you out of your testimony. Then you become a test of phony. You don't have power to overcome because phony doesn't give you no power. All right. And he tries to scare you to not tell your testimony because, you know, if you tell your testimony, somebody going to test you on it. And then he's going to try to tell you that if you tell your testimony and you fail, then he tries to shame you through through the fact that you testified and couldn't hold it. When you if you don't testify, you're destined to fail instead of destined to be delivered. So you got to be careful. Listen, 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 listen. I can't tell the future, but I'm telling everybody every day I'm happily married. Every day a holiday, every day, every meal a feast. Why am I saying it? Because I need my testimony to keep me reminded of what I'm standing for and what what God did for me. I don't want to forget. I want to help somebody else, but I also am helping myself. I'm keeping my overcoming power by keeping my testimony out in front of me. All right. Verse 12 says, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short turn, short time. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished. Daniel quoted it time, times and half a time is the way Daniel. We, we showed that to you in the book of Daniel from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the, the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. All right, this is, this is, I got seven keys on this one, and we're done for the day. Man, y'all, really, really good class. We're going to get out early. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. Because John is writing, number one, he ties things of this future period to eternity and time past. So he's, so this one is giving you some things that's behind us and some things that's in front of us. Okay, got it. Um, number two, his description of a woman clothed, clothed um, in the sun and moon with a garland of 12 stars is a description of national Israel. Now let's look at Genesis 37, 9 and 10, um, when Joseph the dreamer uses this same terminology. Then he, Joseph, dreamed still another dream, and he told it to his brothers and said, look, I have dreamed another dream, and this, this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his fathers rebuked him and said to him, 
What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? So, so that picture of the sun, moon, 12 stars, that's a picture of national Israel. Okay. You know, pictures can be symbols of nations. The eagle is a symbol of the United States of America. Right? The bear is a symbol of Russia. All right? Countries have national symbols. And that's what he's describing here and giving you a biblical picture of these symbols. Now, um, we'll, we'll have some more about that, that nation and, and, it's, and what it does in terms of the man-child. Number three, the dragon that has seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns is Satan. The reference to the crowns and heads refers to the Antichrist and to the system of governments he leads during this time period. So it isn't, it's not just that it's a dragon. It's not just that it's a dragon. Those, those heads and, and crowns are in future lessons. We reference there uh, Revelations chapter 13, chapter 17. And if you go back to the book of Daniel, you'll see some pictures of this as well. And we'll do that and we'll just tie the old and the new um, in a future lesson. Number four. Satan is shown here as deceiving a third of the angels, first of all, destined to That man-child who is caught up to the throne of God is Jesus Christ. Got it? All of those pictures are very clear. Satan is the great deceiver. He deceives angels. They go with him. You know, they fought the law, and the law says it. He also comes to, he has been trying since God prophesied in the garden that a woman, the seed of the woman, would bruise his head. He has been trying to destroy the seed that would ultimately result in Jesus Christ being born. That's been an ongoing effort and a satanic strategy, okay? Going back to trying to pollute all the human, human seed when Noah was on the earth, and it was only one family left with unpolluted seed, right? To trying to kill out the children of Israel during their time in Egypt to different times where when it was determined that it was not just the seed of Abraham, not just the children of Israel, but the line of David, you go through and read first and second Kings and first and second Chronicles. There was time when one baby, if one baby had died, the Christ child couldn't have been born because it had to be born from the seed of David. Satan has hated the nation that that was destined to bring forth the Christ child. That's why in the book of Esther, Haman tried to destroy all the Jews. He wrote a law not just because he was mad at Mordecai. He said, I'm going to take out his whole people. Satan has 
from that time all the way up to the Holocaust, hated the nation that brought forth the Christ child. Right? Um, number five. During this time, a remnant of Israel is hidden from Satan and the Antichrist during this second half of the tribulation, 1260 day or times time and a half a time, right? That's that same three and a half year period that we've talked about. So all of these things are happening at the same time, right? I mean, think about the witnesses that are two witnesses that are going forth. Think about the 144 thousand evangelists that are going forth. Think about Satan's trying to do his part, but he's not having all the success that he wants to have, is he? He's trying to destroy this nation of people whose, see, see anti-Semitism anti is of the devil, right? So that, that thing, that seed is still there and it's still in the earth. And the scripture says, not only is it behind us, it's in front of us too. It's not just in our past, it's in our future. Number six, Satan seeks to persecute the hidden remnant during this time period, but God raises up assistance from them. He says the earth actually swallows the flood. So remember, um, in, 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 in Jesus' day, he, the, the, the children of Israel went out, not the children of Israel, him and his disciples on a boat across the lake. And then a storm supernaturally came up. Well, that means Satan has some ability to impact the elements. Clearly, if we read the book of Job, when God says, okay, I'm going to give you, I'm going to just take my hand back and I'm going to allow you I'm going to allow you to do the thing. All kinds of weather thing happens, like a tornado came and killed part of his family. All of those things happening. And they were all a part of Satan's attack. This scripture says Satan's going to do some attack that actually includes elements. And the earth is going to rise up to protect the children of Israel. Well, that's happened before, hasn't it? Yeah, it happened before when when um, when God split the Red Sea. Yeah, 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 yeah. It happened before when um, Joshua prayed um, and God held the sun up so that his so that they could win the battle. And when hailstones came down out of heaven um, to destroy their enemies. Yeah, 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 yeah. God has used elements to save national Israel before. This is not his first time at the rodeo. And he knows how to feed a nation of them, even if, even, if, even if he has to bring his recipe for manna back. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, this is all consistent. See, our stuff is being dealt with. And as we said before, one of the reasons we think differently than other people is because I see God coming back to deal with his family. Now, I'm going to bless your kids, but I'm certainly going to come back and bless mine if I have a chance to. Helping you, won't, helping them won't hurt you in Jesus' name. So he's coming back to deal with his people, right? Um, the second part of number six says he, raised, he recognizes, Satan recognizes that this period demonstrates that his time of freedom is coming to a close. It's coming down with great wrath, 
right? The prophetic signs that show us of Jesus' return also showing of Satan that his time is about up. And just like if you were in a, a game and you were behind and you come into the closing minutes, you're going to throw every shot you got. Even if you plan on losing. You... So he's coming down with great wrath because all of these signs are showing that his time is short. Number seven, Satan specifically persecute those in the remnant who have accepted Jesus and keep his testimony. Those that obey God's commandments and keep the testimony of Jesus. All right. Do you see how all of this is tying together now? Well, praise the Lord. Man, I thought I had more to give y'all. I thought I could have got a whole nother chapter in here, couldn't I? All right. Well, that's as much as I have for today. I got three chapters today. <laughs> well, praise the Lord, everybody. Now, next week, next week, or excuse me, not next week, because next week is our conference. Next week is our conference. And so um, we'll take a break on next week. But in two weeks, we'll discuss this beast. We'll discuss this beast and the beast system. In other words, just like um, there is Jesus Christ, just like there is Jesus Christ, there is a body of Christ that is a system that helps his influence go into the world. There is a person of the beast or the Antichrist, and then there he has a system too to extend his rule and influence into the earth. In fact, what you'll see is that just like there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, what we're going to show is that there is this dragon who is Satan, there is the beast who is the Antichrist, and then there's the false prophet who tries to, like the like the Holy Spirit gets us to worship Jesus, the false prophet gets us to worship the image of the beast. Got it? Because Satan has always tried to be God. He doesn't have any other plan. What did he say in Isaiah? I will be like the Most High. But his plan is doomed to fail. God wins and reigns over all.